You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be discussing a decommitment, not from the Wildcats, but rather from Texas. Ron Holland, who was a previous Kentucky target, has decommitted from the Longhorns, going to talk about what this means for UK. Also going to talk about Will Levis last night, not getting selected in the first round of the NFL draft. I'm going to be completely straightforward with you. This does not surprise me at all. We're going to take a dive into both those topics today. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you've not subscribed to the show already on YouTube, please go ahead and do so. We're getting closer to 4,200 subs as we speak. If you're listening on podcast, please go ahead and download the podcast and share it with a friend. It, that would be uh, very big for us here. If you would, uh, if you would please share this for with, uh, with your wildcat friends. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Ron Holland has decommitted from Texas per multiple sources. John Rothstein on three. He has requested a release from his NLI. This is a big thing for not just Kentucky, but for the college basketball sphere as a whole because this is a big, big, big time recruit. I believe we talked about this kid about 10 months ago here on the show, kind of broke down what we thought about him, kind of broke down what we thought he would do in a Kentucky system. But we're going to reiterate some things here, obviously, because it's been almost a year. So Ron Holland, in case you don't know, six foot eight. 195-pound power forward out of Duncanville, Texas, and Duncanville High School. This kid is a five-star through and through. Uh, number six player nationally, according to 24-7 Sports. The number four player in the 24-7 Sports composite rankings. The number one player uh, at the power forward position. A number one player in Texas. This kid is special. What we noted about Ron Holland last time that you and I both spoke is that this kid is just straight up uh, smooth. He's very athletic. And that's the way that 24-7 Sports describes him, not just vertically, but the way he covers the floor. He thrives in the open court. He's similar to Justin Edwards in that way. He can move laterally, and his speed is excellent. Uh, this is something that 24-7 notes about him. He's not just... This is different, I believe, from the different guys that we've been talking about as of late, where we've just kind of noted... Their offensive prowess, this guy is more of a defensive prospect, I think, uh, because of what he's able to do on that end of the floor. Uh, 24-7 says, while the versatile defender gets thrown around easily this day, these days, Holland actually embodies it. So at six foot eight, again, almost 200 pounds, uh, he's very versatile in what he can cover here, uh, which I think would be very valuable to Kentucky in terms of what they want to do in a man-to-man basis. And also from, a, 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 yeah, no, a, a man-to-man basis, I think would be uh, what you're looking at there. Uh, when you look at what I said last year uh, in, in terms of his scouting report, uh, I noted that he had just taken a visit to Arkansas. We're going to get to some of the players here in just a second. But similar to Jacob Toppin, uh, except not as bouncy as Toppin. Not as quick, but he finishes really, really well through contact and can also handle the ball. He's got a high motor. He's flashy in transition is what I noted. Uh, just based on the highlights, Duncanville like to apply pressure and play with some pace. And Holland was the beneficiary of some several steals and lobs. Not a three-point shooter, but apparently he's developing that. So that's something that 24-7 notes that I kind of disagree with. 
Uh, is say, they say that there's shooting potential there. I didn't really like what I saw from him in terms of his outside shooting, but to be completely honest with you, if this is a kid that somebody's going to be interested in playing at power forward, how many times are you going to be asking him to shoot threes a game, especially in a spot like Kentucky's? I think that in terms of style, he would fit the Wildcats very, very well uh, in what they want to do on the offensive end. The fact that he is as well balanced uh, as he is, I think is very nice. Something interesting to note about his emotions here is what 24-7 Sports says. He has to find a balance between competing with an edge and letting his emotions get the better of him. But when he's playing with the motor that he showed during the FIBA this summer, he's extremely impactful. Brandon Jenkins is the comp comp here for 24-7 Sports. This is actually the first player I have ever seen on 24-7 get two different evaluations uh, from their experts, which I don't really think means anything. I just find that interesting. So you've got a very talented player who loves to get to the rim, uh, is very, very energetic, I think, emotional uh, at times, as 24-7 Sports describes. Uh, on both ends of the floor, uh, he does things really, really well, uh, just overall. The shooting is the aspect, I think, of his game that you would like to see improved, uh, but he's a valuable asset. Obviously, he's ranked as a five-star for a reason. We were talking about him last, we, last year as, as being the guy uh, at the power forward spot, even though Jacob Toppin's still here. Uh, projects as a top and light guy is actually what I wrote in my notes back in July of last year. But you look at the roster situation for Kentucky, and I'm going to be honest with you. While I am excited of the of the potential of getting Ron Holland, Ron Holland, I don't know if Kentucky can fit him in with what they've got. So your backcourt, as we've said a hundred times already this offseason, it's set. I think it's ready to go. Dillingham, Wagner, Shepard, Thiero. That's what you're looking at there. Then you get to this small forward, power forward spot, and it's really interesting the way that Kentucky could rotate this out. So if Chris Livingston or Antonio Reeves comes back, I think it changes things differently both in their um, both instances. Rather, Justin Edwards, I think, is going to be playing at small forward. Antonio Reeves, as he comes back, he'd either be starting or backing him up. I don't know what Cal wants to do there. I would assume seniority gets the vote, but we'll just have to see. Aaron Bradshaw is your power forward guy through and through. Is he going to be a backup? Is he going to be a starter? I think that's determined by who comes back. So again, if Chris Livingston comes back, does Kentucky want to rotate him in at the four more and have Bradshaw be the backup? And then whenever you want to change things up, you either slide him up whenever Edwards and Reeves aren't in the game. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can mix and match this. Um, at the end of the day, it's both of them are out there essentially playing the same position, I think. Um, but Ron Holland would, therefore, at, at the four, slide into a spot where it kind of, if Chris Livingston doesn't make a decision soon and Ron Holland does end up committing to Kentucky, which, again, I'm, I'm going to get to that in a second, uh, it would kind of force him to do one of two things, either stay in the draft or enter the transfer portal, uh, because there's no, there's no playing time for him, him there. Uh, at that power forward spot. And if he wants to be the backup small forward, so be it. But you've got Justin Edwards. Uh, I don't know if Chris Livingston wants to enter that situation. I think Antonio Reeves would be okay with it, possibly. Uh, but that's yet to be determined as well. I'm just projecting here. I'm just speculating. So Kentucky's roster, I don't know if he would necessarily be the most... I don't necessarily know if he would be the best fit for Holland in terms of what he individually may want out of his next college but I think that for Kentucky, it would be excellent. It would be excellent for Kentucky to have their one-two punch at the three and then their one-two punch at the four 
if Reeves comes back, if Livingston comes back, and then you've got Bradshaw and Holland, you've got Onyenzo, and maybe Hunter Dickinson or Oscar Shebway. Haven't heard anything out of that out of either of them in a few days. Going to pause for water here. So I, I am intrigued. I'm very intrigued by Ron Holland's decommitment. And so you may say, well, Lance, where could he potentially be going? Well, his final five included Arkansas, Kentucky, Texas, UCLA, and the G League. So it was four colleges and a G League. Uh, he took an official visit to Arkansas, like I mentioned earlier, right before he committed. If I'm not mistaken, he also took an official visit to Texas. Uh, yeah, he officially, uh, no, no, actually, his official visit was right before uh, the uh, the uh, transfer, the, uh, excuse me, the visit to Arkansas. So it went Texas, John Calipari in September, and then Arkansas in October. November 11th, he signed his letter of intent with the Longhorns. And this is what he said on Twitter. Go ahead and pull this up for you. I want to take this time to thank head coach RT and the entire Texas coaching staff for their consideration. I would also like to thank the Longhorn Nation for all of their love and support. While this has been a difficult process, I have decided to decommit from the University of Texas and reopen my recruitment. Texas will still be one of my top schools of choice. So, what do we think about this situation? I want you to leave it in the YouTube comments below. Do you think Kentucky should pursue Ron Holland? I'm 99% sure they're going to at least reach out to him. Do you think that he would be the best fit for Kentucky? You can also leave that in the YouTube comments below. Or, if you have a question, you can hit me on the socials at Locked On UK. So Will Levis was uh, was shockingly, uh, for some, not picked in the first round yesterday. And I want to kind of dive into my thoughts on that because I'm not saying I predicted this. I'm not saying I, I definitely saw it coming. I said that he would fall at no further than 12 uh, just a couple of days ago. But I'm not surprised that this happened now, after a little bit of reflection, going to take a dive into why in just a second. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a really, really good snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you've got to try Built. It's a healthier snack choice. You can replace your candy bars with these. And on top of all this, not only are they really, really good for you, but they're really, really great in taste. 100% real chocolate is what these bad boys are covered in. They've got great flavors as well, like coconut uh, yeah, coconut puff. You've got peanut butter brownie. You've got churro. You've got cookies and, cookies and cream, salted caramel. They're phenomenal, and they're really, really good in terms of macros. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar uh, in these things as well. You can order any sort of specialty flavor that you want over at Built.com, but you can also go to your Walmart or Sam's Club if you want to pick up a box. So if you head over to Walmart, you can get a four-bar box in the pharmacy section of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're at a Sam's Club, you can get a 13-bar box with brownie batter puff or churro puff. All of these are absolutely phenomenal. They taste great. They're good for you. I absolutely love them. I've got friends, unironically not a bit, that, that order them and really, really enjoy them as well. So built dot com or walmart or sam's club check these things out you've got to try them and if you do you can thank me later all right continuing along here on the friday edition of locked on kentucky so will levis did not get drafted in the first round of the 2023 nfl draft yesterday uh we are about to witness uh the second round here actually in just a few minutes uh here uh i'm recording this on friday afternoon we're gonna see if will levis gets picked up in the second or if he doesn't 
uh, at this point. I'm not really sure. So Will Levis was projected to be a top five pick. He said as much just a couple of days before the draft. He believed that he was going first overall. I said that that was bullcrap. He thinks that he is something, and I think that there were a lot of scouts out there that thought he was something. I said that I see the potential just a year or so ago in this kid. But there were several things that gave me pause, several things that gave other people pause. There's a reason why he's been so hotly debated uh, in the media sphere as to where he should go. And um, I think that if you're looking at, I mean, CBS Sports put out an article talking about like the biggest losers from the draft. Will Levis is the biggest loser from the first round of the NFL draft. And you can attribute this to whatever you want. If you're upset about how the offense was run, you can say this is on Rich Scangarello for what he did to Will Levis. If you want to say that it's on Will Levis, uh, that he's just simply not that good, you know, I think that that's fair as well. If you want to say it's on the offensive line, if you want to say it's on the personnel that surrounded him at Kentucky, that's okay as well. There are so many different ways that you can take this, but at the end of the day, are we this surprised that he has fallen out of the first round given some of the inconsistencies that he had during his time at Kentucky? I mean, I understand that it it's a it's it's not it was not supposed to happen according to what the internet told you. It was not supposed to happen according to what the odds makers told you. But the NFL views this kid differently. Clearly, the scouts view this kid differently. And I don't think it's the tools. I don't think it's the physical traits. That's a given. I think that it has to be something to do with his personality. It has to be something to do with the interviews and the processes that he had through this I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they think he's arrogant. I don't know if they don't think he's smart. I don't know what his deal is. But all but there there's no arguing with the fact that these teams that could have picked him up decided to go elsewhere and the teams throughout the first round that still could have taken a boomer bust prospect decided not to. This is not that big of a surprise. At the end of the day, Levis, I think, was the most tumultuous quarterback not named Anthony Richardson in this draft, and Anthony Richardson has a leg up on Levis in the fact that he is significantly more athletic, and Levis is very, very athletic. Let me be clear. He is one of the most athletic QBs in this draft, but Anthony Richardson is in a tier of his own this draft. That's why the Colts took him. That's why Bryce Young went first. That's why C.J. Stroud went second. There are different things that these guys have over Levis that he just doesn't. And so while the upside may certainly be there, I think that clearly NFL GMs were just like, eh, I'm not taking a chance on this guy. I'd much rather get what I feel is a more comfortable decision, a more comfortable pick here, because I don't need a quarterback that badly. Or the people in the top five where Levis was supposed to go said, I think I'm going to take this kid over him because he's shown traits that I like more. So that's just the situation. This is not like a, oh, I feel so bad, melting down moment for Levis. I, I, I hate the fact that he was embarrassed on national television on ESPN like that last night. That was not fair. That was not okay. Um, I, the fact that he's been hyped up up until this point for him, for his world to come crashing down where everyone can see it, his family, his girlfriend, everyone was there to see it, that sucks. There's no debating that. But this is not, for the fan base of Kentucky, a meltdown moment because of the fact that he is going to, I think, find a team, he's going to develop, and he's going he's gonna to do what he's going to do. And for the Wildcats, I don't really think it's that big of an issue because of the situation that they're currently in. Devin Leary is a Wildcat, guys. 
The Will Levis is gone. Devin Leary is a wildcat. We've got a really good QB, and we've got a better offensive line. We got a transfer in from USC that I need to talk about at some point uh, to kind of help shore that up. The situation's great. And on top of that, Cutter Bully is a, is a recruit that Kentucky's looking at right now. They've got a pretty good chance to land. That's a really solid quarterback commitment, potentially. So Kentucky right now for the future, in terms of their signal callers, they're set up well. They've got their OC. They've got their head coach. They should be fine. Will Levis not going in the first round is not the end of the world for anybody other than Levis and his family. And I understand that that's kind of hard to, t- hard to say. And I hate the fact that it happened, but we move on now. And I think that if he is as mature and as, you know, as you know, strong as, as he is, you know, poised him, uh, posed himself to be, then he's going to accept whatever team he gets drafted uh, to because he's going to get drafted probably here in just about 15 minutes and things are going to be okay. Things are going to be fine. It's all right. If he's worth his salt, he will make the money back. End of story. So if you've got any thoughts on Will Levis, if you've got any thoughts on the NFL draft, how this has all happened, uh, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. I'm not angry at him. I'm not upset at him. I think that it's really, really cruel the way that this played out, but it's not like a shock. And for me, it's not a meltdown because I think he's going to be okay, and I think Kentucky's going to be okay. So thoughts, any sort of opinion on it, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnUK. You can follow me on Twitter, at LanceDahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram, that is at Kentucky Podcast. Questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all on Monday for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.